Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our New Testament lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into this Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up to him and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you her sins which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Can I go home now? Okay, this morning I'd like to focus on three things. What we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves, and what we believe about other people. Because I think each influences the other, and I think they affect how we are as a church together. So let's start with what we believe about God. Sometime a decade or so ago, Tom and I were taking a disciple class, as many people did in this church, and it was led by one of our former pastors, Diane Shields. And in one of the discussions about the Jonah and the whale story, someone asked Diane a question, and her response was something to the effect of, well, everyone knows that's metaphor. Everyone except me, apparently, because... This was before we had Alex telling us every week that this story or that story in the Bible didn't either happen or happen the way it said. So that simple statement 
really had a profound effect upon my faith and has made me think about the Bible and, to some extent, about God differently. Because I wondered if the Jonah story is metaphor, then what other stories are metaphor? What if none of it really happened? Would that fundamentally change what I believe? And what I've discovered is that it truly doesn't matter to me whether or not many of the Bible stories actually happened. What matters is that I believe God has the power to do all the things those stories say and that we need the lessons they teach us and that questioning everything isn't necessarily a bad thing. How I feel about God has expanded, and I lean heavily on theologian Frederick Buechner's quote, Doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. If you are a pastor and have been within hearing distance of me, then you've probably heard me ask you, is Jesus the only way? And the most consistent answer I've received has been, Jesus is the only way for me. And that's what I've held on to. I may not know which Bible stories actually happened and which stories are metaphor, but I don't feel I need to have all the answers in order to believe. And when Pastor Alex says something that makes us squirm, I think giving ourselves and Alex and others the freedom to think differently will enrich our faith rather than impede it. Some years ago, I was blessed to be a confirmation mentor to Abby Williams, one of the children of this church. She is now all grown up and living in Berlin via Boston, South Africa, and other places. I've learned much from Abby. And recently on her blog, she wrote this. One of the coolest feelings I've known is that of feeling at home when you are not. To spring from the nest is to fly. To find nests in the sky is the real freedom for me. I think that's genius. Like birds who build nests in trees, sheltered from weather and predators, we work hard at building our nests in the most secure places we can, sometimes in homes, sometimes in churches. But a nest in the sky... That makes us very vulnerable. But it also allows for a wonderful view. So I've been trying to find a nest in the sky in the ambiguity I've had about my faith. So next up is what we believe about ourselves. And what I believe about God, I feel, has a profound effect on how I feel about myself because there is no hiding from God and no one understands us like God does. Now that doesn't mean I haven't tried to hide from God. In a particularly painful wilderness time in my life, I went to Our Lady of the Mississippi Abbey in Dubuque, Iowa, and found this drawing by one of the sisters there of Eve and Mary, which I think is a good illustration of how God understands us. Now, we know 
that Eve and Mary never met. But let's just set that aside for a moment and just look at the drawing. I want you to notice the expressions on their faces. Eve's is flushed with shame, and Mary's is soft with empathy. The body of the snake is wrapped around Eve's leg, but its head is crushed beneath Mary's heel. Mary caresses Eve's cheek with one hand while cradling Eve's other hand against her belly, swollen full with the child we know as the Savior of the world. Yet how tightly Eve holds to the apple. In our weekly liturgy of forgiveness, we say, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When I look at this drawing, I feel God's forgiveness, and I feel my heart crack open, the heart that has been hardened by sin or sadness or anger or injustice or any number of things the world brings it, and I feel God's nearness. As long as I'm clinging to the apple, though, it won't come. And the apple can be anything God knows our life would be better without. When we feel forgiven by God or by one another, we feel God's spirit alight within us. Then we have the capacity to reach out to others with grace and forgiveness and hope. Which brings us to how we feel about ourselves influences how we feel about others. Now, this point was embarrassingly reinforced to me this week as I traveled home from a very exhausting trip to Washington, D.C., where I was transitioning out of my job of 24 years and training the new person. By the time I got on the plane Tuesday night, I had been at Mach 5 speed for days, and I just wanted to be home. A short time into the flight, a piece of ice landed on the seat next to me. I didn't think much of it other than wondering where it came from. A few minutes later, over the seat back comes another piece. Another couple minutes later, another piece. And finally, another piece. There were two adults sitting behind me, and I don't know what was going on, but they thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Now, those of you who know me well you know what happened next. I turned around, and I cannot repeat here at all what I said, but let's just say it was not very Christian. So if I'd been feeling better about myself, I'd have probably chosen a different way to deal, but I wasn't. I was tired and cranky and upset. I'm sure they're lovely people, and maybe it was an accident, but I was not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So we're about to watch a two-minute film that illustrates how quickly we judge people. It was made by Coca-Cola, and it ran with the campaign slogan, Labels are for cans, not people. Six men from different cultures and backgrounds were seated at a table together in a room so dark they couldn't see one another. It was filmed with infrared cameras, and they described themselves to each other. They're speaking many different languages, but you'll get the idea. 
And once the lights come on, none of them saw who they expected. So let's watch. He's got long hair, but at work he ties it in a ponytail. Probably piercings. <laughs> uh, I read a lot of books. I read uh, cognitive psychology, behavioral science. I've spoken at TED Talks. Really? Wow. You look nerdy. Like you think you're cool, but you're still a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> أكثر شيء مركز عليها التراث الإماراتي واللغة العربية. And I also think he's wearing a underwear. Yeah, even I felt that. Yeah. أنا وايد أحب الطبخ. دائما يعني معظمكتي أطبخ في المطبخ. طبعاً يعني طبخ. He's mature, like he said, like cheddar cheese. You mean basically nothing. Extreme sports athlete. I skydive and pretty high risk activity for sure. Because your actions speak louder than words, right? God, dude, Whoa. that's awesome. <laughs> 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 I'm only surprised. It was amazing when the lights came on and you get to realize who you're actually conversing with. I was surprised This was my expectation of you. This is what you really are. You guys should be swapped. <laughs> I didn't expect that. The rocker was someone who I wouldn't expect to be, uh, uh, you know, a heavy metal musician. I should have these tattoos, not you, man. See? Change. That's how you love it. When I saw Garrett on a wheelchair, I was completely taken aback. Hey, man. أنا جت العلبة فتحتها ما مكتوب عليه شيء ما مكتوب عليه كوكولا. And the minute I turned around, I saw that labels أو الشعار أو ال أو المغلف أو التصميم هو بس للعلب مش للناس. ترى واضحة يعني المفروض ما تحكم على واحد بالشكل. الشخص مو بلازم يعني ننتقد بشكله لكن أول شيء نتعرف عليه عقب نقدر نقول كيف شخص. It changes your mind, your perspective, your heart. that last guy said it changes your mind your perspective your heart and one of the other guys says if I had passed him on the street I would never have spoken to him but without labels and without judging without being able to see one another they had a chance to get to know one another and laugh and then what they looked like didn't matter when Tom and I are in a place with no diversity, I'm going to let you in on a little sarcastic saying we use just between the two of us. What a nice-looking bunch of white people. We say it to help ourselves realize that our worldview is too limited, and we could certainly say it here. Or maybe you've heard this expression, those people, those people. Who are those people? Probably just about anyone whose opinion we don't agree with, or who looks differently than we do, or who thinks differently than we do, right? 
Our New Testament lesson was the story of Jesus having dinner at Simon's house. In the midst of dinner, a woman arrives and begins to tend to Jesus. The woman is not identified by name. The scripture just says, a woman in the city who was a sinner, which is probably code language for prostitute. Simon thinks to himself, if Jesus were a true prophet, he would be appalled by this woman touching him. Simon's appalled that this woman is in his house, but Jesus seems perfectly comfortable. But remember what I said about trying to hide from God, about how God understands us like no one else? Jesus knows Simon's heart and tells him a story of two debtors whose debts have been forgiven and asks Simon, which debtor will be more grateful? Simon replies, the one who owed more. Jesus understands that Simon thinks this woman is worthless. So Jesus explains it to him. He who is forgiven little loves little, and she who is forgiven much loves much. So I'm asking you to think for a moment. Who have you been judging? Who have you been judging? It could be one person. It could be a group of people. The Presbyterian Church USA has been awash in controversy for years over several issues that feel particularly thorny to some. People have left the denomination. We've lost friends from this church. So think about who you've been judging, and then ask, how could I think differently about this person or this situation? How would Jesus think about this person or situation? With all the horror going on in our world, the vicious politicking, I have seen a lot in the news that's made me realize I mostly need to listen and learn and shut up because I have no idea how those people feel. And when I'm busy talking, I can't hear what those people say. We all see the world differently, but we are all connected. And we need to respect one another enough to learn about our differences and how we can be better together. For the two years he has been here, Pastor Alex has been drumming us to open up, to see differently, to allow ourselves to feel, to step forward through our fears and be a Matthew 25 church, a church which is a blessing to this community and which will not only accept but welcome whatever part of that community comes through our doors. But to better the future, we must disturb the present. If we are to better the future, we must disturb the present. We've gotten very comfortable here, and change is challenging. My dear friend, Chaplain Brenda, always liked to say that sacred and scared are only one letter different. Sacred means set apart for a special purpose, and we all know what scared means. 
So what is the apple you're clinging to? What are you afraid of or afraid of letting go? Would I like to cling on to my self-righteousness and think I'm always right? Yep. Would I like to just keep sitting in my place and worship in my safe nest and not have it disturbed? Yeah. Is that what our community needs? No. Am I scared about how being a Matthew 25 church, mission-focused church, might take me out of my comfort zone? Definitely. But I am not in this alone. And this is what I've come to tell you this morning. We are not in this alone. We have everything we need to be the church Jesus teaches us to be. We have God. Jesus promised us the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. We have each other. We have everything we need. Let's discover anew what we believe about God. Search our hearts to find what we believe about ourselves and open our minds about what we believe about others. If we believe God is big enough to handle our questions, our fears, and our doubts, and if we can accept the grace and forgiveness given to us through Jesus, our hearts can expand and express that love in this church and in our community. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.